0: What's good, everybody? It's Yanni Blue, and I'd like to welcome you all to season two of Bigger Than Our Dreams, podcast between myself and my co host and collaborator, Amir. If you don't know us, we're two dope ass creatives from New York trying to take over the world one medium at a time, and this podcast is one of those. Um, if you'd like to support us, follow us, do whatever. We got some dope music on all streaming platforms. We got merch, follow us on Instagram, do all the cool shit. Um, and yeah, stay tuned. We got a lot of fun stuff going on. But thank you for joining us for today's episode. And here's the show. Oh, we Yes. Oh. Nice. All right. All right, so I'll jump into intro. Um Welcome to Bigger Than Our Dreams Podcast. My name is Yanni Blue. And it's your boy, Amir Stay Fly. Yas. And today we have an extra special guest with us. Um, he is a Los Angeles-based image consultant and creative director. He has committed his career to redefining fashion and culture through the lens of being a plus-size queer man of color. Owner of the Cool and Casual Studios. Give it up for Alden Jackson, a.k.a. Alden Fashion Bear.
1: Wow. Come on. Thank you for joining us today, Alden. Thank you for having
0: me. Yeah, Yes Hello hello. <laughs> so we were just talking about how LA, LA flipped the script on you because it was cool for a couple days and I was hot. How, how did you feel for the hurricane? Because you're a West Coast boy. You're not used to those Well, I was in Vegas, but they were making it seem like it was going to come to Vegas
2: and Arizona and all this stuff and it was kind of a flop. The hurricane was kind of a flop. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, y'all caught the tail end of a hurricane, right? She didn't give <laughs> She didn't
2: give her, she, didn't her. <laughs> <laughs> she, she didn't it give hurricane Trillery? she nothing
0: it was like Damn.
2: some uh some leaves on the ground and that was it like i heard know. about that
1: shit i was like wait a hurricane <laughs> on the west coast i was like all right now we really and have an like
2: earthquake earthquake <laughs> yeah the earthquake on. happened. Yeah, no, that was that was wild that an earthquake happened while wow, all that rain and the impending storm. I feel like that was wild. Rocking and yeah. rolling.
0: Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Yo, that's not funny. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> it made it scary as hell. I was
2: nobody I, got hurt. It's fine. We're fine. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it looked
0: the it looked only thing I saw funny. that looked nuts was um by I went because I, I was in San Francisco. I stayed an extra day to, to miss the storm. And when I got to LA. I went straight to the beach and uh, part of the beach was like dug up. But other than that, people were playing volleyball, like right. regular. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. This regular degolo.
2: This is very
0: Caucasian.
1: That sounds great. Right. The the caucasity of it all. Right. The second they can go back, they're like, I'm
2: on my first board. And,
0: yeah. right. <laughs> no fear. No fear of, 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 of Mother Nature at all. None. That's right. Well, real quick. We, we're going to jump we'll to ice- tonight. <laughs> yes. Um, I want to jump into an icebreaker with you real quick because I know you, you mentioned mm-hmm. you're a big Solange fan and um yeah. I've been on a road trip for most of the summer and she kept coming up on my road trip and she kind of scored it for me at some point. Like she felt very reflective, very like trees and woods and shit passing by. So I wanted to ask right. you like where does Solange come up for you the most? Her music and and what is which album if there's a specific one?
2: um so for me i really became a fan with the uh true ep which people still mm. like if you're a real music mm. head or like fashion mm-hmm. people still were kind of like trying to count her out like oh she's never had a hit and like when she got in the fight at uh the met gala or whatever with jp mm-hmm. like the elevator moment like people were like oh she hasn't had a hit in years or like just like people didn't see it for her still. Then even you know the way that she's part of culture now So not only do I think she's actually really talented, she, you know, wrote for Destiny's Child, went on the road with them, Mm -hmm. was doing dance moves for them. Um, So it's like, she has her own point of view. Um, So like that journey of like, um, seeing what will stick and becoming an artist and like, you know, being nominated for a Grammy and um, being able to like, move culture like after like being ridiculed or like not necessarily being seen as an artist or like having those flowers and like still breaking through and like producing work that like shifted culture so it's like not only is she actually talented but it's like to like shift people's perspective in that way I'm like you have to give that credit to her like
0: absolutely seeing what sticks is such an important journey i think few people put it in those terms but i think that's the blessing of being marginalized creatives is we don't out the gate have the thing that people like so we get to keep experimenting until we find not necessarily even just with sticks but what is the most if you do it right what's the most authentic
2: because i think that's how she broke through because it was genuine she was like well i'm gonna lean into Like, even with the True EP, that's why it's called True. I'm going to lean into what I like. I'm not going to sit here. And I think that's why it takes longer to hit. It's like you're Beyonce's sister. So you know what -hmm. to do. It's like being Janet Jackson. It's like, I have the blueprint. I could go and do that and dress like this and do that. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be known as Beyonce's little sister. I don't want that. I don't don't want that to be how I got to where I am. So it's like, I feel like with a seat at the table, she was like, fuck all that I'm gonna go home and just kind of like start elevating my own story and that's actually where I'm at with my business I'm like I feel like I had kind of not stepped away but for a moment it was like I'm trying to be in this lane where I can cater to multiple people and I'm always gonna do that but it's like how do I have my story infused as well and not just whatever I think will sell or whatever. It's like, no, it needs to be both. Like, I think this is what will sell, but I also need to like tell my story and know you need to know why you're buying with me and purchasing from me and not just like, Oh yeah, that's a cool brand. Like, you know, I, cause I, before Virgil passed, he bought like one of my t-shirts and he started following me on Instagram and we have this conversation and I could have just took that and blew my brand up and been like, yeah, I'm like, you know, Virgil fucks with me, so y'all need to fuck with me. Like, you know what I mean? I could've mm-hmm. made that a whole thing, but I don't I don't ever want to be pigeonholed. I'm like, no, you when I hit it's because it's because I'm supposed to, not because somebody told you I'm supposed to hit. Like, you know, so Yeah. yeah.
0: So so the true EP would be your 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 Solange sort of uh North Star. Is there a space where it comes up for you most, like when you're getting ready, when you're driving, when you're styling? I
2: mean, that was like 10 years ago. I just think that it's a, a North Star simply because she decided to be true herself. The fashion, like to me, with uh, the Losing You video, I was like, it just, mm-hmm, it was a moment in time for me. You know? So I just saw it and I was like, you, you're on to something. You know yeah. what I mean? It was, as for somebody that is like an authentic person and I'm sitting there like, with music I'm like I'm like no your team put that together. This you know you were styled that way. You're looking like that because of whatever your music is, you know, I'm look it's like not it's like for me it not only has to be good, it's like do I see you in that? Like are you just following a moment? Like what is what is the inspiration here? And so um it's not that I'm like sitting in the work all the time, but it's just her and Frank Ocean together mm-hmm. like i feel like they both just like busted the fucking doors open for like anybody that had like that was black and had something different to say it's like you can do that and you can be successful and you can do it on your terms. Like, you see Frank out here flopping through shows and shit. And it's like, he's still getting booked. You know what I Doing mean? you know, whatever like, the people, hell he, he wants. Want to see him.
1: Whatever yeah. the hell he wants to do. <laughs> whatever it is.
2: Right. right. <laughs> whatever,
1: whatever
0: that is. Whatever that, that is.
2: is. And me and him are like a year and a damn part, So I get it. I'm like, I get why you That's canceled dope. the show. But I'm still mad. I'm like... <laughs>
0: Oh, don't, Franklin. Get me, don't, don't get me going. On, Frank. <laughs> Amir, do you do you have do you have a Solange uh, favorite song and a time that it that speaks to you?
1: Um, I would say when I get home. Um that She's project, that re, yeah, it's that girl. And um, of course, I got into it when it came out in 2019, but it kind of carried me into like the earlier parts of COVID. Like it was very calming very chill especially like that you know what was it march april may where we didn't know what the hell was going on what, yeah. so so it felt that the, the project felt like a not it not meditative but like very like sobering and calming you know what i mean like it was it was it was much much needed um and i would say my favorite salon salon song from that project would be stay flow that's the one
0: yes yeah,
1: yeah. stay flow is the one yeah. I mean, the whole, like, I, it's, it's a project where I'll play the whole thing, and I won't skip it, and then, e- even during COVID, I would play the whole visual album, and just let mm-hmm. it run, just,
2: yeah. Yeah. I like watching my, my logo.
1: That's the one that's
2: been speaking to that me one. most. That
0: one's Yes, strong. yes,
2: yes. My fun. notes for that album are, um, I feel like she made it slower on purpose, and, like, even more herself because of that success of a seat at the table was like i'm not gonna just give you a rehash of that like i'm gonna get weirder i'm gonna like lean mm. into like what my influences even more this is not gonna be like you know for everybody again yeah because i don't think i don't think she's that girl like i'm not for everybody i'm gonna try to see how i can fuck this up a little bit for y'all so that and that's my like nature as well so that's why I respond to her like the whole thing of like I want the success and I and I you know how because she's performing in like art spaces now and does all this performative stuff so it's like I'm gonna keep challenging myself and y'all like are you with me or like like what like what's going on so I just that's why I love her so much because it's like I'm gonna do me same same i think that's why i'm off to of
0: that no go ahead i was going to say um you talk about challenging people's perspective or like doing things that are, are uniquely for you i wanted to ask it's kind of a bit of a pivot but i do want to ask you what is the significance of the mentos commercial in your bio oh because i one point to <laughs> I know,
2: I know, I like, ask that yeah <laughs> yeah no, but like, it just it felt perfect felt like, perfect. like yeah. so at one point my uh, uh header said alden the tastemaker but I, and like in all caps, and I'm like, I think people will think that I'm full of myself, but I'm like, no, kind of think of it like the Mentos commercial, like Alden, the tastemaker. Like I'm not trying to be like Alden, the tastemaker. It's like, no, it's supposed to be funny and like
0: fun. Um, so it. Yeah. that was so random. But- I, it threw me off cause I was like, <laughs> does he know it's a Mentos commercial? Like, I was like, was this supposed <laughs> to be a link for something else?
1: <laughs> I had a feeling that it, it made some some sort of significance. You know, yeah. I, I feel like I I'll look that. It's like, supposed
2: to lighten the mood. It's like, wait, I
1: love you... it. I love it. That's
0: hilarious.
1: Listen, clearly it's a conversation starter.
0: Here we are. All right. Great. Exactly. Yep. Look, you should you should have used the one where homie with the with the black suits. Remember when he sat on the bench? Yeah, the top stripes. Was. Yeah.
1: yeah. The, the clip, right. Wait, no, I don't remember I that one. It up. I be
0: like... That would be more on brand because he's because it's a clothing commercial because it's talking about like taking some shit and like making it different. I... So right, right, right. you work in vintage yeah. and like that world that would be even funnier yeah you don't remember that
2: one amir
1: no damn what? oh shit
2: you know
0: what <laughs> i'll probably i'll
1: probably
2: change it, the it'll... link up i'm a link in bio y'all right. right. What right. I, 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 I see it, it'll, it'll probably, probably drop don't have
0: my memory it's a guy in a black suit <laughs> and he's getting ready for an interview and he sits on a bench that they just painted so when he stands up he has stripes on his back i think oh Okay, and, he pops the Mentos, the and then he lays on it and turns it into a pinstripe suit.
1: I remember that though. I remember that one now. I remember Jeez. that one. Mad the 90s things. commercials, the 90s commercials were really like either they were really spot on or like ridiculous or, or, or ridiculously Word. offensive. Some of them were.
0: watching oh. it back feels like like drugs. Like some of them feel like were these people high? It feels like a fever Word. dream, doesn't it? Well, she was chasing him, even in the commercial that I'm in.
2: This old lady is chasing yours, him yeah. over some gum.
0: Yeah, and then he's a mannequin. <laughs> it was weird. Like, what the fuck they had us watching? I want to know what they, they were. They were smoking, and they them. wonder why we're all eccentric. Right, right, exactly. Even, even my then,
2: mom for the longest time, she's like, "I don't understand why you shop. I don't understand like your expressions and all this stuff." I'm like, "We were at the mall every day, and." <laughs> On top of that, like, even if you were wearing Fubu or like whatever it was like on the street, she would always want the different color. So I was like, how would I not pick up on that? Do you be like, I don't want the same color as everybody else? And like driving around to like find some shoes to match that odd colored shirt, like at different malls. And you're like, well, how could I'll that rub not rub off on me? I'm like, uh, okay.
0: <laughs> I just rewatched Tiana Taylor's Super Sweet 16. Don't ask me why. And, um, <laughs> The whole theme of the show was just, I want what nobody else got. Ma, I can't have those sneakers because somebody else <laughs> got else that got color. Them. I can't do that. That bike, like the whole thing was like, it's fly because nobody got it. It would be some ugly shit, but she was just like, it'd be but ugly. Got it.
1: There's a reason why nobody has it though. Let's <laughs> talk about that part. That dress they put her
0: in.
2: Oh my god. He, and oh niggas was spray painting everything back then,
0: <laughs> and just gluing shit to it.
2: Just tacky you literally tack like just tacking stuff up.
1: oh man oh god it's Diana. just the fashion back then was just like especially like i feel like That's 2000 oh god harlem but like specifically like there's like a period from like 2000 and 2005 to like 08. Oh, it was like it's like a specific like hue of tacky that really <laughs> just went on and I was a part of it, too. I remember the um, the hoodies that you would zip your whole face up. Oh, at it.
0: It.
2: I had about six of them.
0: You remember the H&M striped hoodies?
2: Yes. Right, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, remember oh. Stephen Berry? Stephen Berry,
0: $8 for everything. Yes, the t-shirts. <laughs> remember Ed Hardy? Yes. Ooh. Jesus. Those guys would be trying to light
2: me up in my skinny jeans and i'm like you have one a metallic printed day glow hoodie i'm very
0: confused right now i'm like you want to talk oh about no. me we yeah, like, huh? were I'm always like, like that's we, it i'm like what we were dressed for like a, a casual friday in high school like looking like we we're yeah. going to work have you seen
2: that yeah all the there's been like a lot of tiktoks where they're like they was like we was really pulling motherfuckers in business casual." <laughs> business it was either business casual or hard hard
1: sport sport for me right yes it was yes just, just real rough real rough rag and trade. a hat I, both. Had both. Both. <laughs> I had
0: both both
1: had them. both both of them. Throw throwback jerseys
0: i sure had us all in fitted with blazers right oh exactly. my god
1: um, i went through that era that era, that era had me in a chokehold that era had me in a chokehold for a while man <laughs> i had to to figure out life (laughs) well then long long, live those
0: days great
1: guys well well alden let me ask you a question when did your love for fashion begin
2: uh well like i said my mom had us at the mall every day growing up so my dad was a drug dealer and we had drug dealer money you know he was Pushing whatever. Um, So, um, but I would say that my mom is more of a consumer. Mm -hmm. And then um, my aunt on my dad's side was like the person that was like really into like that classy, bougie lifestyle. Like we go into Century City and Beverly Hills and we're going to this restaurant and she was dating like this pilot, you know? So she had like this, yeah, she had like this and she was an exotic dancer. My oh Go off, yes. So yeah, like my family story, like it's just yeah, it's wild. So it's like, how could I not be into like style and fashion and like um, wanting to represent myself? But I think that um, I would say high school, middle school, high school school was like the turning point because we got the internet and um. So I would just start, you know, look way more at clothes. I would like look at different malls. Like all, I would take the bus to all the malls in LA. I'm like, I've never been to that mall. Oh, they have this store. I want to go look at that store. And I would go and walk and look at everything. And even um, I was in Berkeley. And that's when I discovered Urban Outfitters. They had like these crazy, speaking of crazy colored shoes and all that, like tr- like those trends, they had this wall of like sneakers. I was in like every color and I was on a school trip, so I couldn't go in but they had like a shortened url so the whole trip i'm just trying to remember that we didn't have cell phones or anything so i'm just like urbn.com urbn.com and then i get back and i run home to my computer and i'm like
0: urbn.com
2: <sighs> like you know i'm like i remembered it like thank god and then i'm yeah, like yeah. they have a, and then i'm like they have a store in santa monica i'm like i'm catching the bus to santa monica like you know it's it's like i have to catch the bus to the train to another bus just to get there but i it's what I wanted to learn it was my interest and yeah I just kept developing it I um kind of like Frank and Solange I'm like it's not enough for me to like know what a trend is like I started just um getting more and more into it looking at high-end stuff like looking at runway shows yeah like having that portal to the internet just really you know I could look up you know before it's like oh, we don't go to Beverly Hills because we don't have any money. So I don't know what they're doing at Prada. But now, okay, I see the runway show as it's happening. I see an ad campaign. I can look up past ad campaigns for, like, different brands. So I have this level of access that I wouldn't have normally. So I just was like a sponge. I was like, yeah, I need to know. I want to know. Like, yeah. I love this. You were just taking Out of all that, the inspiration. I was taking it all in, from every, from every direction. I was like, Crombie, Dolce & Gabbana, I don't care. You know, it's like, you know how fashion and that still, like, is my viewpoint today. It's like, right now my sweater is Zara, but I have on, like, and vintage pants and J.W. Anderson loafers. It's like, that's just how I see the world. Like, people are mm-hmm. like... People are like, well, if you're addressing that, you can't put that together. I'm like, why wouldn't I put that together? Like, And then the more I learned about it, I'm like, these designers, copy, that's all they do is copy stuff that's already yeah. here and mm-hmm. represent it to us. I'm like, what? I'm like, this is all a game. I'm yeah. like, this is crazy. And I so, always,
1: always tell people to like, what a lot of people don't understand is like, personal style is something that's like key. And not a lot of people have it. And not a lot of exactly. people know know what it is. A lot of people think being trendy means you have personal styles like no you just know how to buy what's off the rack you don't know how to put that together you don't know Mm -hmm. how to make you don't know how to mix high and low you know what i mean it's like and that's what the real stylists do because i've worked with quite a bit of them so it's like yeah it's it's personal style is key it's it's so
2: key yeah yeah. especially when you're a stylist and the budget for different projects varies so much and the demands um My business partner, he just did a Range Rover commercial and he had me do the mood boards, which I normally don't do. Mm -hmm. But they wanted a level of like such high end and like they just kept pushing me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but do y'all have the money for this? Because I'm going to keep, it's like you're telling me to push hard. And I, I ended up putting like this powder blue Chanel suit on there, like vintage. And they're like, yeah, we want that suit. And like June Ambrose had to like custom make the suit, because they were like, and I knew that. That's why I was trying to be very careful about what I put on the board. Because I'm like, y'all are gonna want those things, so I'm trying to put things that we can go out and buy. Yeah. And we literally had to like rent a Vera Wang gown for part of it. This was, and this was just background people. So I, I'm like, this is nuts. That's dope.
1: Crazy. Yeah, I always love like being a part of like big, like big, big production um, sets. It's, it's always so many moving gears um exactly. but seeing that final product it's like it's so it's like gratifying and you just kind of right. obsess over it for a while <laughs> after
2: it's done. well I'm like, while you're that.
1: working on it and after it's done
2: <laughs> right but to me these were background people i'm like they might not even make it in the commercial because it's background and we're paying all this money and doing all this stuff and then it's like the biggest commercial we've ever done never came out it was like a million mm. dollar budget and it was pant and didn't come out it was like a three-day shoot we dressed the whole marching band the marching band didn't have their own uniforms we had to go and find them the people were like you know it's a marching 40 people so it's somebody that's like four nine hundred pounds and somebody literally like six five like 300 pounds and we had to dress all those people in a number of days and that was only one segment of the commercial and yeah. it didn't come out so yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, it's like yeah,
1: that. it's wild. It'd be like that. It'd be like that. I've, I've seen a lot of projects get scrapped, and I'll be like, oh, wow. I'm a lot into that.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I yes, spent a lot of money on this. I could have just took that deposit home with me. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. All right. That, that
0: this way.
2: That part.
0: What What got you into vintage specifically?
2: So, um, as I said, I was starting to like teach myself about high-end fashion and so say Marc jacobs would come out with like i'm looking at a runway show and it's like a plaid coat so then i'm like i want i like that plaid coat i don't have Marc jacobs money like what am i supposed to do so go on ebay like start looking at magazines maybe it's at like maybe h&m knocked it off like
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know how can i get my hands on this look um so it became about it was just like using all my resources like as you said like as a queer marginalized person like how do I get that look because I need it for whatever reason I don't know why but (laughs) I'm a teenager where am I going I need it (laughs) but I need it (laughs) uh, um so that's how it really started off and one of the I have like a really funny story one of my really good friends she was like oh yeah I have um she was like the bougie one she had the she had the money so I was like I'm kind of bougie but I'm not it's like I like clothes and I like to present myself in a certain way but I'm not really bougie I'm like yeah I eat at Taco Bell like I don't care like you know like some like some of my friends are like ew that's disgusting I'm like I don't really care like I don't know you know what I mean it's like it is I what like it a ratchet is, and then, a ratchet good time yeah there you go but it's, but fashion is also already so vain to me mm-hmm. so then I'm gonna just do this whole thing where I'm just like unapproachable and unattainable and just so high up in my own ass like you know what I mean like it's very important for me to like okay yeah I have on $600 shoes, but I need to be grounded. Like I need to feel like myself. I don't want to like have that take precedence over like any other thing that I have going on in my life. It's like, that's just, it's, it's just something that I have. It's a, a possession. It's not something that defines me, but um, back to my story. So she was like, oh yeah, my mom knows this like discount store or something like where you could buy clothes like at a discount or something. And so, I don't know if I was, like, oh, yeah, I have a spot, too, or something. And then I, like, had to, like, go online and, like, find a spot. And then I found this place that still happens. I've been going there 20 years, but they sell, do- uh, dollar sale every Sunday for vintage clothes. And, oh, uh, yeah, and back then, it's, like, I had no idea what vintage, like, you know what I mean? I was happy to find a flannel, like, because Urban Outfitters so flannels, like, used flannels for, like, 50 bucks. So I'm like, well, I'm happy I found one for eight, you know, or I, I found one for a dollar. So gotcha, you know. And um, it's just kind of evolved from that. And then, like, I would go there and find these pieces. And like, people are like, oh, I thought you paid $300 for this. I'm like, I work at Old Navy. How did I pay $300 for a jacket? Like, what are you talking about? All right. All right. <laughs> so I would just kind of cobble these looks together and that place used to be like unhinged. Like, I don't know where they was getting their stuff from. Like, it would be like some clothes with like blood and urine and stuff on them. They don't really have that. Oh no. Yeah, in the, in the mix these days. <laughs> <laughs> bloody, bloody, you. bloody, urine. <laughs> Not <laughs> on everything, but feature. it was, right, you can right. do these clothes and you'd be like, damn. Like, you know, you think you find a piece and it's like, wait, what is on here? It's
1: like, what's um, this, what is this
2: mysterious? Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Stays, are y'all uh-huh. taking the uh-huh. off Stays, the bodies? Here. I'm like, are y'all taking the clothes off the bodies? Like, what are y'all doing?
0: Right, right. Just going down <laughs> <the> skid <laughs> row to rack up. Yeah, I'm Ooh. like,
2: well, how are y'all getting these clothes? But, um, so it just kind of grew from there. Like, people would always ask me where I got my clothes from, and I would tell them how much I paid for them, and you know, they would, like, be flabbergasted. And I went to school for fashion merchandising. I um. Worked at all these different retail stores. I ended up working for Urban Outfitters eventually, um, but they're like racist and fat phobic and everything that capitalism's, uh, the capitalist, yeah, what it is, you know? Um, it's no fault to them. Like when people say, oh, you should boycott Walmart or you should boycott this place, I'm like, so then you need to boycott this place because none of it is good. They're all mistreating. And I'm like, Nobody brings up Target because it looks better. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it's it's quite, you know, this, like, the Walmart versus Target. Like, oh, Target is bougier and it's nicer stuff and whatever. I'm like, but they pay their workers the same. Like, it's the same structure. Like, that's what I try to get people to understand with fashion. I'm like, it's all the same. Like, all we can do is try to be better and try to, like think about how we consume and why we consume and like those different questions, but like, it's all the same, you know? And I constantly struggle with, okay, do I wanna sell out of clothes? Or like, do I want people consciously consuming from me? It's like a constant battle, you know? I'm like, I'm trying to reduce waste and reduce use and, but I also have bills to pay. So how do you
0: reconcile that, you know? But when, <laughs> before I moved to L.A., I used to frequent a lot of the uh, vintage and like uh, thrift spots out here in New York uh, in Williamsburg. That was like when I discovered that, that should change my life. Um, Buffalo Exchange, mm-hmm. uh, I forget the other ones. Beacon's Closet. And, uh, Beacon's Closet. Mm-hmm. And when I got to L.A., I thought that I could do the same shit. But I realized like a lot of them didn't have clothes that fit me. So I struggled for a bit. And it wasn't until I think this year uh, when Namir came out to L.A. to visit, we found Plus yeah. Plus. Mm-hmm. And then I went to your spot, which also had, like, size-inclusive stuff. So just a question for you, I guess, on your journey of working in vintage, was it hard for you to find clothes for bigger bodies? Or, like, how did you, uh, how did you address that? <laughs> okay.
2: So when I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I first um, started, um, so vintage moves in cycles. So mm-hmm. when I started wearing vintage in 2003, 2004, what you could find was a lot of 50s 60s 70s and it's all small and it's not that mm-hmm. bigger people didn't exist back then but your resources as a bigger person are often more limited like i don't have a big and tall shop because people's resources are limited and there's a conception of oh well i'm going to lose weight so the coupling like a marginalized income And the fact that people are constantly in a state of, oh, I'm not happy with myself. I'm going to go on this journey. And so I don't want to spend the money on clothes. It's not really possible. And that's where, um, that's what happens at these stores, you know? Like they don't want to carry the bigger sizes because nobody is there to buy them. Right. It's like a cycle. We go, go, oh, you don't have it. And then, okay, I do have it, but you didn't buy it. Okay, so I'm not going to sell it. And then we keep looking at each other like, you know it's like Mm -hmm. like okay well I offered it and then it's like and then people say oh but you didn't offer it in a way that I would know but it's like I don't know it's it's a lot of moving parts there but anyway I couldn't fit a lot of clothes back then and that's why I didn't know a lot about vintage and how to like be like okay well this is a better brand or okay you buy like because now to the point I'm like I only buy natural fiber I'm buying these colors just like very very particular with like when I'm buying stuff and sourcing um so that was like a whole journey of uh absolutely like sizing and vintage Just not that it doesn't exist and my other point was 60s and 70s people were actually wearing those clothes because they didn't have the option to like um have anything else so it's like I wore that jacket and then Even if it got donated in the 90s, somebody else found it and wore it out already. So it doesn't exist. It's like those clothes are out there, but it's very rare because of those factors. So um, now like 90s was like more wider cut, like 80s and 90s and Mm -hmm. like moving forward stuff, kind of like the cuts got bigger. Just like we experienced that. Like we experienced that. So in vintage, it was cut like that. And then you would go to the store the store is copying those clothes so they're copying those smaller slim fits I couldn't fit anything in H&M or Zara and I was like 40 pounds smaller than this because I lost a bunch of my weight has gone up and down luckily it's been down for a while and I'm still a bigger person but like my weight has really fluctuated and I was like 240 pounds couldn't fit anything in Zara or H&M because that's what they were copying then the 90s came and it's you know they started copying those things and so now the cuts are bigger and wider and so like now people have a better range in vintage and at the store and i feel like kanye really busted the doors open for that because it was like no i'm wearing my shit loose you know and it kind of like redefined like what people were wearing but up until that point it was like it was slim pickings it was it was hard out here. Now I got too many clothes, way too many clothes. Like I'm struggling with that. Like, uh, that. I'm like, wow. Like me wearing this Zara sweater, and I'm like, it's kind of big, you know? Like, I don't, that's not normal. <laughs> like HM women. I don't, even, like, I don't even walk into Zara. I don't want to get my feelings hurt. I, I, I know, that's what we're. I now, used to shop
1: for my models at Zara. So,
2: right. I never don't try on a pant at Zara for me. I'll be like, oh, still fat, still big, still, still big and black. My bad. Okay. All right. I'm just going to take the sweater today. Thank you. I'll sell. Cause I don't really shop at Zara. I only shop there like on deep, deep discount. Cause I don't want to have the same clothes as somebody else. And when you shop at Zara, that's automatically going to happen. Like I've been in line and somebody had the clothes, was wearing them in an Instagram post and I'm hoping to buy them. I was like, I'm about to head out. I was like, I I can't.
1: (laughs) I feel you. Wait,
2: is Yanni is frozen?
1: Oh, shit. What the hell? <laughs> wow, where, where is my friend? Is he frozen?
0: <laughs> oh, no. You
1: got lost at sea. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, let me text him really quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: But, yeah, I love you guys' collaboration, by the way. Like the, oh, is he back? That-
1: yes, he's coming back.
2: Okay, I'm back. I'm
1: back. Oh <laughs> <Back in> the- <laughs> my! Like, what
2: happened?
1: I'm sorry. Was, while he was talking, you were frozen. I was like, why is he <laughs> holding his face like that? Is he okay? Is everything good? And then, <laughs> poof! Ah!
0: We started well, talking five. about Zara, and I got triggered. I got triggered, <laughs> and it cut me out.
2: Right, right, right. You were like, I'm out of here. It's <laughs> <was> like, like <laughs> fuck Zara. Fuck that bitch. No, the I'm
0: sorry. Tr-
2: no, look, I literally have... Uh, uh, this is so funny because I'm in my um, studio. Wait, where's the camera at? I'm terrible at this. Sorry. Sorry. Asian. Yeah. Never. Yeah.
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Never. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> but, you, but
1: you know what, though? I never was one to shop from H&M because like everybody was shopping
2: at H&M you know what I mean and it's like yeah that's every- what I mean about Zara now H&M yeah. can actually kind of get away with it now and yeah. Zara it's kind of like they flipped they flipped yeah like, that's funny when I was younger we only had the Zara where the urban outfitter was at like I where I caught that bus and all that it was a Zara there and nothing ever fit me then but it felt really nice the price was I mean, I couldn't afford it, but I'm like, okay, everything is kind of like under a hundred dollars kind of like someday. I'm like, it's attainable, you know, right. like it's really nice yeah. stuff. It wasn't what it is today where they have Azara at every mall and they didn't used to have H&M at every mall. Do y'all remember that? Oh, like, I remember yeah. that, like, yeah. Like H M was only on New York and then we, we would be online like in our little fashion stuff and we'll be like, damn, if only I could be at H&M and buy the $10 T-shirt,
0: you know, <laughs> Oh, we once once I found the one in in Harlem. No, was no. I saw the one in Manhattan Mall.
1: Oh yeah, I
0: remember her. Uh huh. I used to buy. I used to buy. I had two of those striped hoodies, and I had um. And I used to wear it with my Stephen Berry uh pea coat. Oh, what a time! What a I time! I pea coat. what a time! What a time! Wow! <laughs> I love uh, that. Yeah. Because um, they were like yeah, eight, eight
2: dollars eight, or twelve girl.
0: dollars or something like
2: that. Stephen,
0: Stephen, Stephen Berry was ben. so cheap. It was so cheap. I loved it. What a time. What a time. Um a mess. Can you <laughs> talk to us about your studio? So it's called Cool and Casual Studios. Explain to the people what that is, where it's located, how they can how they can support you. Well, right now it's located in storage, but um
2: <laughs> so that you're not so, at the
0: location that I went to anymore, right? So i had separate? my
2: office next door and i'm at my business partner's office right now okay. but um we're like trying to figure some stuff out and so for me i was he wants to close in here and i'm like um i'm okay i'm gonna figure we'll figure something out but right yeah but as far as finding me i'm on instagram at cool and casual studios and I'm I'm always working on a website. I'm always like, it's coming, y'all. I'm doing it, it's happening. But that's where I'm stepping back in, in here because I feel like me and him are constantly like, we don't have the systems in place to like run the, the shop smoothly. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to step back and get online and like build my presence and like, and then maybe come back to a space. I'm like, I just need a, a, a breather in there, but um,
0: that's what's going on there. What? That's brilliant because very few people take a step back, and I wish they would. Because a lot of us, we we go so hard for our dreams, and we kind of you can get stuck, and that's part of the that's part of the process. So I, um, kudos to you for taking a step back because um, it's that slingshot effect. You're gonna you're gonna shoot ten steps ahead from where you were at by doing this. So exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the goal. I'm like, yeah. you <laughs> Look, look, we have. Because, to. I mean, and I'm that's in the, the thing midst of that get... too.
2: Yeah, people get so obsessed with what stuff looks like you know um so she it's like mind. i used to have a space in Lamert park and then i was like oh my god i need another space immediately you know what i mean but mm-hmm. I, I took a pause i took like a six months pause in there but it's like i probably should have took a longer pause even then but i was so worried about people like being like oh you don't have a spot no more there's nowhere where we can go like my in-person experience i think is really important to Absolutely. what i do and so um that's why there is no website, but I think that there needs to be one. Like my clientele, that's what they require because they're so busy and they have the lives that they live. They can't always make it to me, you know, but I need their money.
0: <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> hey, me. <Amy. laughs> yeah,
2: I'm like, I need, need the funding. Um, and that's where I'm even starting with uh, like an appointment website where, okay, because I do closet consults, I do the in person shopping. And I'm like, I need to have a system where people can even make those appointments. Right. You know? So mm-hmm. I'm, like, I just a bear, I'm like, I need to just get back down to basics. Like, let's forget what everything looks like. Forget that so-and-so is shopping with me and so-and-so is a client. I'm like, I need to, like, be able to have, like, these systems in place and be organized. Amen. Like, that's important.
0: Nice. I want to ask, actually, both of you, because you both... To my knowledge, I have a lot more fashion experience than me. Um, I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing uh, Seattle merch. So that tells me a lot about me. Um, as, I'm, as you... I'm
1: wearing our merch. You're wearing our we're merch, wearing... yes. I have an
0: H&M <laughs> shirt, actually. Uh, but I want to <laughs> ask you, Alden, as you're taking a step back, I, I listened to your episode with Mike on The Art of Letting Go, and you talked about your journey between being a designer and a stylist. So for us non-fashion people who don't know, explain the difference, and then also let, let us know where you're at with that journey right now. So I, I don't I just can't remember what I
2: said in an episode, but I know that i run away from both titles. Like, okay. I'm like, ah! Like, somebody's like, are you a designer? I'm like, uh, I kind of make stuff and repurpose and bleach and dye stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I know deep down in my heart, I am a designer. It's just, as a Black artist, I feel like there's not a lot of examples of that. And so it's hard for me to, like, not that there's not there's so many people that don't get their flowers that are black designers um and so i think that it's hard for me to like accept that because i feel like it's like when you say oh you're a black designer like look at look at kirby and pyre moss like that was supposed to be like our vanguard of black fashion i look at virgil and off-white even and like these were supposed to be our pillars and it's like we don't even where are they? I mean you know unfortunately Virgil passed away we can't control that but it's like damn you know and that happened in the 80s too with AIDS we lost Patrick Kelly we lost um yeah, Patrick Willie iconic. Smith who um a lot of people and I feel like I relate to both of them so much Willie Smith and Patrick Kelly because they again did things on their terms like um Patrick Kelly he did a lot of stuff with um like buttons and like kind of like Things that you would find kind of more like kitschy, but mm-hmm. he took it to Paris and he elevated it. And he was the first American designer, period, to ever be invited to the Chamber of, um, like haute Couture. So you know wow. what I mean? It's it, yeah, it's, it's it's wild. But we we lost them, you know. And so it's like a lot yeah. of tragic stories with black designers. Like um, there's a designer, Tracy Reese, used to work with Marc Jacobs and Tom Ford at Perry Ellis. Like where where yes. she, she's still here. she's still yes. here but like but is she like we don't you know it's like I, it's just like you are constantly living this secondary life I feel like as a black designer like somebody that I met out here in LA he's like yeah I worked in Michael Kors design room I worked with like the people from friends of school those were my interns like you know what I mean so the story is just so heartbreaking and aching to me I'm like I really want to do it on my terms. And I'm like, it really has to be like, when I step into that, that when I'm saying I'm a designer and I'm a designer bag, and like, and I'm in that bag, in that mode, I'm like, it needs to be like up and stuck. Like, I'm not about to just like, like, yes, I'm a designer and I don't have my resources together and I don't know what I'm doing. And you know what I mean? I really want it to be something that can be like legacy. Like I had this platform I was working with for vintage they wanted to highlight like, black designers. And I'm like, okay, but how? I'm like, where would like we don't have the resources to put our stuff in storage? Or we I have to sell my samples, or you know, even the people that collected, our income goes up and down. They have to sell it or get rid of it. Like there's who's who's collecting black designer clothes? Like that just yeah. is like, oh yeah, I have all the Patrick Kelly and I have Park and I and all these iconic moments that are vital to black history and the way that we also treat things we move on so fast a lot of times like i used to have all the stuff that's collectible for vintage right now my i have to get straight t-shirts i had Jabo jeans i had all that stuff coming up but my mom would be like on to the next we're like in that fresh culture so it's like we really have to like step back and think about like how and why we consume and like i bought um the pyre moss like tour sweatshirt because i was like this is history i was like i need the sweatshirt even though it was 400 dollars. i was like like i've never spent 400 regular price on something like in my life but i was like i need this sweatshirt this is history and like because of all the production issues and stuff that he had i would wear it and i posted on instagram and people were trying to buy it for me because they think that it's not available i'm like it's on his website he's selling it like it's 400 dollars, but it's available like yeah like... yeah
0: <laughs> So,
2: I think that I really, you know, it's like, I think I run away from it just because it's like, where's the template? How am I supposed to do it? You know, you can say you're a designer all day, but until you actually are, you know, in these stores and stocked and all that stuff, like... um... Even,
1: Even in the PR houses, too, to really get your stuff, like, out there and,
2: like, publications, you know what I mean? It's like and you have to have money to that's again that, they pay to play and then and then i'm supposed to give the clothes away for free and be seeding it and all this crazy stuff like are you out of your mind like you know what i mean It's just so much just so many different facets to it and so yeah. um yeah but anyway a des- so to me a designer ultimately as far as like the vintage and being a stylist and all these different things i think a designer kind of like looks at their world and puts it together for consumption. Like Mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, okay. I went to this flea market in Paris and I found this old jacket. Okay. And then I um, was looking online and I saw this independent designer doing like these cutouts are like adding things and subtracting stuff. Oh. And then I like um, was looking at a movie and I saw like this bright shoe that I feel like would set that off. And so you kind of just, it's so funny to me because designers like they try to make it seem like oh yeah I was really inspired by the 70s and then you know they say oh I just did the 70s collection and I'm like that's not what happened I'm like as far as like what I see and how I am operating I'm like no like there was a variety of influences and then you came up with the story after it was all done you're Mm -hmm. like oh yeah all the very 70s are like Maybe my anchor was like seventies, but I have all these other touches in there. Um, like I saw a skirt today where it was like really short in the front and then long in the back. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna copy that. That's what designers do. And then they cry. Right. They they cry when, they um, some like when Forever Twenty One copies it. I'm like, but you got it from somewhere. Like, let's not do that. <laughs>
0: I mean, there's same there's same not- thing happens in music. yeah. Same Is thing this
1: there's not many things that are that are in, entirely original. Like every everybody is inspired. Everybody exactly. If, look at and our, if look they at tell you shirt. they ain't, they. Want, I mean, we stole we the 90s 90s. <laughs> it's a for 90s it, band it. T-shirt. It's a it's yeah. an aesthetic. It's an aesthetic. You it's know what I mean? It's, but but it's what you bring to it. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. why I always say like personal style. You know what I mean? It's like it's how you put it together. It's how you how you portray it. How you showcase it. And it's also. What you bring to it, too. You know what I mean? To make it its own unique thing. Because everything exactly. and everybody is fucking inspired. If they're not, they're telling, if they tell you they're not, they're fucking lying to you. Right. right? Yeah. They're fucking lying. Everybody and that's inspired.
0: I think a lot of us, too. I like that you mentioned that, Uh, you know, just talking about how you, you know, you go back and forth with owning a title because that's so much of why me and Amir connected was just owning our titles as musicians, as mm-hmm. frontmen, as rappers, singers. We connected at a time. We were doing other things and still felt like, well, I like this thing over here and not mm-hmm. having the examples or the encouragement to own it. So I think that's so important, especially for men like us who fall under so many different uh, subgenres. Like when you get down to the base of it, it's like I'm here I'm plus size and this and that. There's, there's not a lot of just this what's in this box. So it's like we have to encourage each other to own it, even if you don't feel supported or have the resources. Because it's like at the end of the day, I know part of how you connected with Virgil was something through something you designed, right? So it's like you are mm-hmm. a designer. So right. <laughs> you know, just just encouraging you because I know I know how big it was for us when we connected, and just in our circles, people encouraging us to do what we're doing, and that's mm-hmm. literally why we created this podcast. So I think that's an important thing to highlight because that is half the battle. It's like owning these titles, and a lot of times yeah. they have things attached to them that we don't always connect to so it's like fuck it redefine it
2: yeah you know and that's Let's the, the thing about being a designer the whole ego and all, i feel like you have to kind of like you can be successful but i feel like to have a legacy like sometimes you kind of have to like have this bigger personality that i'm like i don't want to subscribe to like how i was saying like oh, okay so i want to be a designer so i'm not eating that taco bell i'm in beverly hills because that's where my client is and i only go to like i only listen to this type of music and i'm very she like i'm not you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. that's what? Bullshit. That's <laughs> bullshit. but yeah, yeah man, but I'm just, it's... you know I, but i feel like that's what people want you know it's like this unattainable and i'm like why do we have to make people feel shitty to like celebrate themselves i don't Get People so dive like,
0: more into the lifestyles of these titles than the actual work that goes into it. And I think that's why, specifically in LA, so many creatives struggle because it's like, I'm doing everything that I think makes me an artist outside of actually making the music and putting out the fucking music.
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> what I'm both, saying.
0: A lot of these like designers or stylists are just socialites. And there's nothing wrong with that, too, because you need network. But it's like just making sure that we're more w- well-rounded in what we do. Like, it's a balance. Anywhere, yeah. But make sure you're making content. Make sure Not content. Make sure you're making a product. You know what I'm right. saying, pouring into it. So again, going back to like what you said, taking a step back, I think is so crucial because especially being in a city like LA or being here in New York, these are cities that that there's so much tied to what it looks like, and it's such a rat race. And it's like, you don't, know, you know, take a step, do whatever the fuck you got to do, because you come back ten times more charged up mm-hmm. and really focused on the parts that you want to do. And that's we need more of that. Right, we need more of that. That's key. That's key. That is key that is major Major (laughs) key um we have time to round that question oh go ahead okay
2: uh just like i feel like the designer and stylist kind of are intertwined it's the same thing like with the stylist is like do you have the designer hat on do you really look like a stylist you know what i mean and and both of them i feel like you're kind of like fighting for people to pay for what you deserve and all this different stuff but And then again, we're also not encouraged by these titles. Like, if you think back to me, catching the bus to all these different malls, it's like, I was doing market research. Nobody would say it like that. But I was doing market research. You know, but people weren't, like people don't know how to like, like black people specifically or people of color, we don't know how to like take these interests and things and be like, wait, actually you have something there. You know what I mean? Nobody was like, you should go to school for fashion merchandising or you have like what it takes to do that. I have to figure all that out
0: but yeah. yeah yeah, i was singing my whole teenage life and nobody was like hey maybe go to school for that so i, I get that 100 yeah. everybody's like go to school for marketing pick up do something else yeah um <laughs> i was gonna ask you actually we have time for one more question and then we have too. a outro that we like to do but um so we are yes. currently getting prepared for our shoot and uh doing i guess the job of a stylist, <laughs> a stylist. Of trying to figure out yeah. like find people to collaborate with find people that do like size inclusive uh clothing and and just i'm learning for the first time i know amir has been working in fashion photography forever so he knows he taught me uh what was that what is the term called when you send people the email for clothes a pull, a pull request. request a pull pull yeah. request a pull I request i told was. them i told <laughs> them what a um
1: a lor is like a responsibility pull yeah. request yeah because I, I know used- nothing <laughs> yeah. yeah no you do you do. No, shit.
0: You but i'm learn. learning but I, i'm learning. learning like what what these jobs entail and it's not easy so it's like... a
1: lot it's it's a lot especially i've been so used to doing uh, orchestrating a good deal of it by myself but like the more and more doing that you realize that like, you need multiple people to help you pull this shit oh yeah off, from set design to color swatches getting looks together Getting everyone on the same page, lighting, prop styling, like all of people. those hiring people, getting makeup getting artists, makeup artists, getting all those logistics and a lot, a lot of that, and that's that's under the umbrella of styling, of set design and art direction, all production. in one big yeah production. You know, um, yeah, photo producer. It's it's all of that shit wrapped in one, one one umbrella kind of. Especially when you're indie, you kind of you right. kind of have to do it all.
0: Yeah. Yes. I was I was going to ask what advice do you have for us? And I guess it's also probably be advice for like aspiring stylists looking to connect with brands and figure stuff out like what are the things that the tools that you would give us on our journey to kind of figuring out outfits and reaching out to yes. people? Yes. Yes,
2: I feel like um maybe having like a mood board and like some deliverables because if um you know that's the, the number one thing that I think people have misconstrued with Silas is that you're going to automatically be able to just call Gucci up and be like, Hey, no. um, I need, you know, 10 pairs of size 10 shoes by tomorrow if possible, please. Thank you. Um, so much of everything is relationships. And so I think out there, I think it's about networking. It's about, it's, it's the same as everything. It's about networking and, and getting to know those people at the brands that you want to pull from, um i think it's about having deliverables this is my reach right now i think if we have um your clothes this would elevate us and we would have an even bigger reach um you know and you, and also knowing when to pull those cards with the pulling like you know you might be invited to a vogue party or something that's not the situation you want to use your pool request for think about oh okay i'm doing a music video or i'm doing this elevated appearance or You know, think about when you want to utilize those resources because they're not going to want to use, you know, they have to also distribute these collections across the globe to different people. So um, I think thinking about like where you are, do you align with that brand? Um, I think those things are important instead of being like, you know, automatically going Gucci products, like maybe there's an independent designer Mm -hmm. that will let you pull and I think also, like, showing showing that you're responsible and respectful. Like, yesterday, I had to tell someone, I have to leave. I was at my storage unit. I was trying to make it work for them. I had a whole other day planned. And I was like, you know, they were telling me they didn't have much of a budget. I'm like, okay, well, we'll meet there. We said one. Then we both said we were late, One thirty. It's one thirty. She's like, oh, I'm right down the street. Then she's like, I'm going to send my assistant. And then she's telling me, oh... The assistant has to send photos to me. I'm like, I don't really like that, and it's gonna prolong. And you're already late, so I think that being respectful and responsible with people's garments, returning them on time, you know, because it's a, it's all um, a reflection of each other, and so we it have is. to treat it is respect. And um, yeah,
0: like not, you have
2: man. something I want, and I have something that could be a value of, to you. Like, let's
0: figure it out, you know. So yeah. we're doing our first visit today. What, what do you call it? A showroom visit? Yeah, yeah. we're doing a
1: showroom visit. Yeah, we're we are. doing our first one in, nice. like, in like
0: an hour. So uh, we're going to take all the Alden Fashion Bear energy with us and just yes. walk up in there and be like, y'all try anything. We'll have Alden call in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I appreciate that. That's good. That's sage advice. And I, I, it, I it makes me feel good because we've been... We've been doing a lot of that, but it, it always is good to hear it from the expert's mouth. Like, hey, this is how you pull up. And um and like I said Amir the like it could be somebody had so much experience in this. And they'll
2: tell you they'll be like, That's not resonating with our image. That's why I'm saying you know, it, has to to a, it has to be it has to be alignment. It has to be alignment.
1: It has to be. It is it's it's really a lot of it, like you said. Earlier, it's, it's respect and building relationships. You know what I mean. That's why it's important to go to the showrooms, meet the designs. Even if you don't pull anything, like you may see something that might work for like something in the future. It's like getting in front of them, seeing their face, seeing it, letting them see your face, letting them get a bit of your personality because people remember. And people move. They like, people move, move too. Up. They people switch that up.
2: Gucci is now at Chanel.
1: That's oh, why it's shit. important to
2: build those relationships because, like, so that's why, yeah. Yeah, their title might be different at Chanel, but they're like, "Oh, I love it's you." It's like, like every six months, month. stay somewhere yeah. else. Every
1: six months, like I've I've made connections with people from showrooms. Now follow back up with them six months later. Hey, I'm not there anymore, but I'm here. I have some new stuff you could come and check out. So it's keeping yes. those relationships, it's following up with people, and then making sure you return that shit back the way these the way you same shit your mama tell you put that yeah. shit back better the way than you, you found, found it, it than you and found how it. you found it. You know, so it's like it's it's those little things like if you get like a sweat stain on a on a shirt or like getting that shit dry clean before you go return it, or if you do damage something like. You gonna have to pay to get it fixed. Like that, that what? happens, and that does happen on set. Like I've, I've done with, I've dealt with on scale like large productions where like we had some shit where a model was smoking a cigarette and got a cigarette burn oh, on a four hundred dollar no. skirt. Now I ain't what? had to pay, I ain't had to pay for it, but the people I was Somebody working did. with. And I had to make sure they paid them the fuck back because all of that was on, on my name. So I was like, if I don't want my people in, you better replace this shit. This Microphone fell. Microphone fell. <laughs> it got real hot. Y'all see I was about to go away.
0: Right, right. <laughs> I, I'm excited. I'm anticipating today being like that scene in Sex in the City where she tried on all the wedding dresses. I'm going uh-huh. to just spin around in all the clothes and like, like, watch oh, it be nothing god. like that. But that's what it's I'm going in with. Like I'm just going in ready to like trust me. Yeah. And then spin like yep. Like clueless, no? Aw. <laughs> maybe? Maybe.
1: maybe maybe. 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 maybe.
0: I don't know. I'll put on deodorant. At least. I'll show up <laughs> I'll show up clean. I'm please, please, please do that. <laughs> oh god. Oh, this is about to be a shit show. Mind you, this is the first time he and I are seeing each other in person in over two months. And usually our first days reunited, we're usually pretty drunk and loud. So this is going to be, this is great. I'm so excited for today. We're not going to drink, though. I know, I'm going to behave, but I'm showing up with all that energy. Maybe drink later, but imagine... Yeah, you'll drink after the showroom. You won't won't come in lit, yeah. (laughs) I'm coming a little bit lit. I mean, I'm high (laughs) off coffee right now, so... There's nothing wrong with showing up just a dash lit, you know. Just a dash lit. Um, Just some light. Take a little shot. Um, Okay, last segment, Alden. Thank you so much for being with us this whole time. Our last segment, our our pod is called Bigger Than Our Dreams. So we have a segment called Big Questions. Uh, These are five big questions. You just say the first thing that comes to mind, however you interpret it. Um, So the first one, I'll go first. Three people alternate, actually. Yes. Um, Alden, what is your big mood right now? You said my big, big mood. Big mood, yeah. M O O D. Uh,
2: my big mood right now is building. Period. All right. What is your big I'm, I'm energy?
1: Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Go ahead.
2: I'm oh, no, so just, excited. I, I, no, all I have to say was uh, just building the foundation. Just, just looking back and being like, this is what I need to build and get to that next level. That's yeah.
1: Yes. That's my mood right
2: now. Building.
1: All right. so what's your big energy
2: big energy is uh being um a force like a powerful force i think that's the big energy so your answers
1: i love that, uh, I love that. I so love we're
2: building that. something that can withstand the the big energy you know
0: yes yeah um big takeaway so if anybody listens to this pod what's the one thing you want them to take away
2: to um, know that life is a process I think I think that so many people a process our journey or whatever but I think so many people think things are linear I think people count themselves out I think before they even got started um so for me I'm always trying to like remind people of where I started from I'm like I used to be uncomfortable on camera I didn't know how to talk about myself I didn't know how to talk about my business I didn't know how to like convey anything but I Constantly worked on it, and now I can. We just did, did a whole podcast. I'm not sitting there going, "Oh, I know, I know." You know what I mean? Which is, which is okay. You have to go through that. Like, but a lot of people will get discouraged. Like yeah. Tyra Banks told um, Tiffany, "You read ten times better than half of those girls. Whatever the math is on that." <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like- I remember that. <laughs> We were all rooting for you. (laughs) Far from this, but like I'm like ten times better than half the girls over there. I'm like, "Uh, okay.
0: (laughs) Tyra was a tyrant. (laughs) Is is.
2: But you know what I mean. We have to. We have to step into our power and believe in ourselves. And I think that that's my biggest takeaway. Whether you're my client, somebody that just follows me, I'm like, we can do this. I think that that's uh, the biggest takeaway. Just keep. Just keep going. Uh,
1: Alright, big look Uh-huh your, what, 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 would you, what would you say Is big look? Your favorite big look
2: Whatever that whatever that means to you I feel like I'm constantly trying to uh, Like Scale people's perception back I'm like, there's beauty in details And as, so as far as A big look, I would say the uh Sorry about that um i would say leve spring summer 2024 collection mm. is like a big look i love every it's hard for me to like look at a collection and be like oh i just want every look in there and i'll wear it just like that and i feel like that collection all the details are just like so beautiful um that i can see a lot of big moments in them and so i think that's where i'm like i'm not really a big look person cuz the moment is bigger than the look. The look is just part of it.
0: So. Mm, details, details. details. Last one. Detail oriented. Big dream. What's the big dream right now? Uh, the big dream
2: is to step into that power of styling and designer. So over the next year, I'm trying to, you know, get some labels created for like the clothes and try to present collections a little bit more and, and take the time that it takes to like actually get people interested in a collection. Cause I will, I've always presented my clothes and collections and like how I would style them. If, if it was like they were produced. So like, I'm like, let me merchandise it. That's what I went to school for. It's my career. That's what I worked in retail. So I'm like, I put this pant with this sweater and that's how you're supposed to wear it. Like that's how I present it. Right. And right. so, um, taking the time and like having a shoot in um, one of my big ideas with that is having a shoot in um, Marin County, like taking Mm. sweaters and coats up there Mm. and like having like this huge, like, um, like Laurel Piani, like quiet luxury moment of like big sky and wool coat and like, you know, having the email blast and like printing it out and like really, leaning into the moment versus being like I showed y'all the coat and y'all didn't buy it so fuck y'all you know it's like like that's my yeah. mood I'm like I'm like it's I'm like I did the work and it's good like fuck with it when I have to when I have to lean into it a little bit more and be like no really I believe in this and I need you guys to believe in it as well so I think that's like the journey um for the next year that's my homework is like I am a stylist and I am a designer and I have instead of being like oh you can find me and you know that's what I do I really want to like be on the internet and be like yeah you can book an appointment and you can find me this way and you can all the things that you know this is me and it's here and it's and it's findable and it's not like you have to dig down my Instagram and like be like oh yeah that is a project that he did so I think really trying to like have my portfolio and my work and all this stuff in front of people a little bit more and like stand on it and stand in it and really be like, yeah, I did do a project with Jordan and I didn't feel like I got paid properly, but I did do it. So here it is. Like, you know, um, and not like letting like personal stuff uh get in the way of what I need to do.
0: Amen. That shit, that's my big takeaway because so much of my career has been trying to learn that just because I do it and I think that everybody sees it, they're gonna buy into it. And we really do have to uh uh one of one of Amir's good friends uh she's Ryan said if we what well, she said if we believe in this shit you got to go 110% with it or, like really really putting up for it like and i think it's so easy to think that we're doing that because of the internal work we're doing but to your point like there is an external thing that we have to do constantly to sell ourselves if we believe in what we're doing and it can Which be is so annoying that we don't yes. like that right. but, but it can time, be fun but i i want
2: to be in this career this is the space I create it for myself. So I have to lean into it or what else, you know? And for me, I'm like, I can't go back to a regular job. I'm like, you paying me what? You get what I'm saying? No.
0: It's like can't on so many
2: levels. I'm like, I no. can't afford to go back to a regular job. Like, look,
0: no. it's, it's, an, it's an opportunity for us. And I think that, uh, again, I'm commending you for taking a step back because that is the, the one step that I see people do is just take a second to look at this shit and be like, all right, this is what I chose then I can't complain. Like, I have to just, every every obstacle is an opportunity. So, shout out to you, Alden. We appreciate you. And Thank what you're you sharing with us, the gems. Um, can't wait till uh, we can all be in the same city and grab some drinks and talk shit. Yes. Because I feel, like, yes. I feel like you're a good shit talker with us. you be a good shit talker <laughs> with us. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm
2: excited for y'all, though, because this is a step towards your consistency. Yeah. And, you know? I did, a, I did someone's closet, and she was like, well, these are my addition clothes, and these are these clothes. I was like, "This, you're all the same person." I was like, "We don't have time to be all these different people." Well, I was like, "I was like, trust me." And we got rid of her stuff, and she has a new agency, and we're doing a photo shoot. I'm actually going to her house this evening so we can do a new photo shoot for her. She has a new PR agency, so you get what I'm saying. It's like just keep the path and keep it keep it going up. And yeah. make the picture clearer and clearer. Um, Alden, let the people know where they can follow you at. So, I'm Alden Fashion Bear and Cool and Casual Studios on Instagram.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Bigger Than Our Dreams podcast. Amir, any takeaways? Um, Any takeaways? This was an amazing episode.
1: It was really dope to have someone else who's also in the fashion industry really talk about the importance of. Wait, can y'all hear me? Yeah. yeah uh-huh. Okay. My interface just went out. I'm
0: sorry. Hold on. You we can this. hear you. Can you hear me better now? You sound the same. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, this is a really great episode. It was really great to be able to talk to someone else who's also in the fashion industry and understands, like, the importance of, like, really building relationships and really building connections with people and really staying on top of those connections because that's how you really build. That's how you build those, build, like, a really good core support system, you know? And it's really, it's about how can we elevate each other, you know? And I think that's, exactly. that's, that's the key. I say it's, that's a really great takeaway.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, all right, gentlemen. There's no outro cuz we've never actually no created outro. one. But no, we don't work <laughs> on that though. If you want a podcast with an outro, uh tune into the next episode. There might be one. Okay, thank you. Love you guys. Shout out to everybody. <laughs> it's been fun.
2: Yo. <laughs>
1: What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Amir, a.k.a. Amir Stay Fly, and you are tuned in to another episode of Bigger Than Our Dreams, season two, baby. Let's get it. Let's go. This season, my brother Yanni and I are going to be switching things up just a little bit, okay? This season is going to be very, very music-based. We're going to be doing some really fun music deep dives to let you guys get a chance to get to know a bit of our musical DNA. We're also going to give you guys the opportunity to get to know our tribe, our collaborators, and some really, really cool people that we've had a really dope chance to connect with and um, give you guys a chance to get into our world and get to know us a bit more. So keep it locked. Stay tuned for some fun, some surprises and some bomb-ass music so keep it locked let's get it let's go yes bitch <laughs>